Acts chapter number 20. Let's talk today about the barriers of the mission. What is keeping us from taking the Great Commission to the world? What's keeping us from witnessing to our coworkers, witnessing to our neighbors, sharing our faith with loved ones and friends? And let's talk about those barriers today. Acts chapter number 20 in your Bibles, Acts chapter number 20. We're going to read a little bit about the Apostle Paul and his life and his spirit and attitude towards winning the lost in Acts chapter number 20, verse 19 through 24. My prayer today is that we're all encouraged uh, through the word of God, and we are encouraged uh, in unity as a church and one-on-one individually. And so I hope the message today is a help. Look at Acts chapter number 20, verse 19. Paul says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the laying in wait of the Jews. Paul's talking about the struggles that he's had with the Jews, his own countrymen, his own people, taking the gospel to them, verse 20. But he says, I have kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. I have showed you and I have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jewish people, his own people, also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter number 20, verse 21, is probably one of the most concise forms of the gospel and all of scripture, repentance towards God and faith towards Jesus Christ. And today, if you're looking for salvation, if you're looking for something different in your life, it's not about going to church. It's not about ticking the boxes. It's not about all these things. It's two things, repentance towards God saying, "I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done these things. I know I'm not a good person. By the way, you're in good company this morning, but I'm also going to have faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Look at verse 22. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things which shall befall me there, Paul says. Save the Holy Ghost witnessing, witnesseth in every city, saying that the bonds and afflictions abide me. Uh, But none of these things, he says, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might, what? Finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. More on that scripture in a moment. For the last several weeks, we've been focusing on the mission of our church, not just our church, but every church that is part of the body of Christ. We've already answered some important questions. If you've missed the last five or six messages, that's okay. I'm going to give them to you in two seconds. Here we go. What is the mission? Not two seconds, two minutes. What is the mission? The mission is the what? Great commission. That's our mission. That's our church's mission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go, preach, baptize, teach. That's the mission. Who is commissioned? All those who've received Christ and are witnesses to him. That's Acts chapter number one, verse eight. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. When is the mission? If the question is when, the answer is now. Jesus said, don't say in four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, right now is white, all ready to harvest. John chapter four, verse 35. Why is the mission so important? We talked about this. Because every person is a living soul. Every person. Every person matters. Every person's a living soul. Every soul lives forever. And every soul has a choice. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if, that word if is an important word. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
We know what the mission is. We know who's commissioned. We know when the mission is supposed to be. We know why it's so important. We know how to accomplish. Uh, we, we learned last week it's one at a time. Jesus said if we would just teach and we would just take one person a year, we'd reach the whole world if we would just reach one person. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, And the things that thou hast heard among many witnesses, commit thou to faithful men which shall be able to teach others also. I just gave you the whole series in one minute there, all right? So now we know what the mission is who the mission is for, when the mission is supposed to be done, how it's supposed to be done. But I have one more important question to answer. What now? Can we say that together? Ready? What now, now, pastor? Everyone put your hands up like this. You ever seen that meme with that white monkey looking thing going like this? No. A couple of you have. That's why you're laughing. What now? What are we supposed to do with all of that information? Pastor, it's 2021. Pastor, it's California. What are we supposed to? What are we supposed to do with that information? Today, I want to just say there's a reason why churches are not reaching people. There's a reason why Christians are not reaching. There's some barriers. There's some barriers to the gospel. How many say, yeah? There's some barriers to the gospel. And so today, I want to focus on. There's many barriers, but just three barriers. I think generalize many barriers. I want to focus on those and how what those are, and how we can get past those barriers to reach the lost. Would you join me in prayer? Would you ask the Lord to speak to your heart today as I'm praying? God, help us today. Lord, as we end this series, I hope you would encourage us, inspire us, give us the strength that we need to be a witness in our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Acts 20.20, we see the passion of a man whose heart burns bright for the gospel of Jesus Christ. His name was the Apostle Paul. Saved on the road to Damascus, Jesus came out of nowhere and knocked, uh, knocked Paul the Apostle. Silly, metaphorically speaking, changed his life forever. Paul the Apostle had a burning passion in his life to reach the lost. Paul the Apostle said, I've kept nothing back. I've done everything I can. I want to finish the course. We know that Paul was stoned. We know that Paul went to jail. We know that Paul suffered in his life. He never even got married in his life. He gave everything in his life for the gospel's sake. That was Paul the apostle. He says, I've kept nothing back. I went house to house, he said. I I, I witnessed publicly. I did everything I could to reach the lost. Let's fast forward, though, to 2021 to you and I. And let's face reality this morning. Most of us in the room today are not like the Apostle Paul. And all God's people said, amen, I'm not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't burn bright like Paul burned bright. And most Christians today aren't like the Apostle Paul. Let's face reality. Let's address the elephant in the room, if you will. Most Christians are not like the Apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, most Christians... Statistics tell us about 95% of Christians, not once in a while, not once every month, but 95% of Christians never share their faith. Never, never. Not only that, but less than 2% in America of Christians share their faith on a regular basis. Let's face the facts. Let's just start with the truth. Most Christians are not great at sharing their faith. How many understand what I'm saying this morning? Most Christians. My goal today is not to make you feel bad about that. My goal today is not to make you feel okay about that. I have one goal today. 
not to feel good or to feel bad. My goal today is to inspire you. My goal today is to tell you and to inspire you that you can be an effective witness for Christ. You can. I said you can. In your life, in 2021, in California, in this state, in this day and age that we live, with all the barriers that we have, you can change someone's life forever with the gospel. You can. You can. Uh, You don't have to be like the 95%. You can be like the 2%. You can be in the top two. Amen? We say, I've never been in the top two of anything. Amen? Other than maybe eating it in and out. I might fit into that bill. I don't know. But I I don't want to be in the 95%. By the way, those statistics were taken in 1993. How many think it's probably even worse today? That was a research done by the Barna Group many years ago. And so we understand this morning that most Christians, it's a fair statement, I think, that most Christians are not good at sharing their faith. But you can. You can be different. You can impact eternity. And so why don't we share our faith? We know we're supposed to. I think most of us today, most of us today want to. We want to. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to. Brother Brother Kanasa, I have that desire. I want to share with somebody my faith. But something's keeping me from doing it. So what are those barriers that we face? And how, more importantly, how do we get through those barriers? And so today, I want to just talk about that for a little bit. Those barriers and maybe some suggestions, biblical suggestions on how to move past that. So today, I have three construction barriers, okay? Everybody see these okay? Can you see them? Yeah, they're pretty big. And so we have three construction barriers today. And I want you to imagine with me, that Brother Asprelli sitting over there, Chris over there, he is the biggest sinner you ever met in your life, man. Let me tell you, I said something this morning in the early service that, you know, you, you might cuss at work, and Chris cusses all the time at work. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. And uh, so let's just say that Chris represents most people in the world. Statistics tell us that over 3 billion people in the world have never heard one time a clear presentation of the gospel over 3 billion. So let's just say that Chris over there, he's never heard the gospel, or maybe he has heard the gospel, but he, he's never accepted Christ for himself. Maybe he went to church on a, on a Christmas. Maybe he went to a funeral, but, but he's never accepted Christ. So he's over there. And I'm over here, and I represent the Christian. I represent the, the person who has heard. I represent you this morning. We go to church, and we, we sit in church, and we have the Bible, and we have Jesus in our hearts. I represent the Christian. Between me and Brother Asprelli are barriers, aren't there? Aren't there? There's something keeping me from him. What is keeping me from him? The first barrier I want to talk about is barrier number one. I want to talk about the barrier of self-consciousness. The barrier of self-consciousness. You say, what does that mean? Many people do not share their faith simply because they lack the confidence in sharing their faith. Some of the reasons why that is, is they don't They feel like they don't understand scripture well enough, or maybe you feel like uh, you don't like to talk in front of other people. Maybe it's a fear of not knowing the answers when someone asks a question. Maybe you're intimidated by sharing your faith because you don't like to get personal with other people. You don't like to share with others, but it's intimidating and it scares you to death to share your faith. You're self-conscious about sharing your faith. And by the way, I witness all the time, and, and Brother Asperly does. And Brother Asperly, do you ever get nervous? Do you ever get self-conscious about sharing your faith? It doesn't matter if you've been doing it a long time or you've never done it one time. This never changes. This is always a barrier. 
And so it's a barrier. Listen, if somebody didn't decide to cross over that barrier for me, I wouldn't be here today. I'm so glad that somebody got over themselves to talk to me. Amen? And so how do we get beyond this barrier? And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you. If you have Christ today, you have hope. And so if somebody talks to you about that, if somebody asks you about that, you ought to be able to get past that, that barrier of self-consciousness. And yes, we do, all of us struggle with that. I struggle with it. And so how do we get past that? Let me give you three things I think might help. It's helped me. Number letter A here. We see first to rely on the power of our Savior. Rely on the power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Acts chapter number one, verse eight, but ye shall receive what? Power. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Hey, listen up here. Listen up here. When you trust Christ as your Savior, when you pray and ask Jesus as your Savior, guess what? Hey, man, you get the Holy Ghost. And he takes residence up in your body. And I'm just telling you right now, when that happens, something changes inside of you. And sometimes you don't see, you know, you don't, not sometimes, most of the time, you don't see angels and lights shining down and sparkles and all these different things. But I'll tell you what, something changes. I was talking to a guy the other day out here on our property. And long story short, I witnessed to the guy. And after some time, he said, you know, I want to accept Christ. We, we bowed our heads right there and he accepted Christ and, and asked Jesus to save him. And after he was done praying, he looked at me, he goes, whoa. I felt something right there. He said, I felt something right there. I love that. Can I just say that when you get saved, you get the power of Christ in you. And so over here, sometimes I think, man, I I don't know what to say. I, I don't know all the verses. I don't really like talking in front of people. Listen, it's not about your ability. It's about Christ in you. He's the one that gives you the power. He's the one that gives you the words to say. He is the key that unlocks men's heart. Sometimes we we think that we're all that in a bag of chips and we fall flat on our face. It's not about our ability. It's about his ability. I remember one time I was in Arizona with my dad and my dad, he pastored in a place. People moved to this place because they don't want you coming to their door. That's why they moved there. I'm not making this up. They live far away from each other. They have fences. They have guns, they have dogs, they have signs that say, if you step on my property, I will kill you and probably eat you. Anyway, that's where he used to pastor. And, and so I remember I was go, we were going there. And do you know what Baptists, you know what Baptists do? They go anyways because we're crazy. <laughs> We've lost our mind. But anyway, so I, we were soul winning in one of these areas. We call soul winning when our churches go out and invite people to church. And so I'm going out and I'm inviting people to church in this neighborhood. And I saw this house way up on a hill. And I was so proud of myself, Brother Kanasa. I was just... I was like, man, this is, I got this. I got this. This is all me right here, Joe. I was ready to go. And so I started up that hill. Man, I'm, I'm like strutting my stuff like I'm all that. And I, here comes the fence and there's a dog out there. I'm thinking, I'm not letting that dog stop me. And so I go up there and I make friends with the dog and I pet the dog. I pet the dog. I go inside the gate. Never do that. I go inside the gate and I walk up to the front door. I knock on the door. I'm thinking this guy's going to get saved because I walked all the way up here and there's no doubt God's going to use me. I got this. I got, and the guy opened the door. He took one look at me and he said, Drop dead. And he shut the door. You thought that was going to be a good story, didn't you? Hey, if it's in my ability, it isn't going anywhere. But it's not my ability. It's Christ. It's Christ in me. And Christ is in you today. If you're saved today, you have the power of Christ in you. Every single one of you do. Isn't that a blessing? We are to be witnesses, but we're not to be powerless witnesses. And so the next time you think, man, I don't know if I should say anything. 
I don't know, I don't know if, I, if I can do this. You can't. You can't. But that's okay. Because Christ can. And He will. He'll work through you. So remember the power of our Savior. We see next here, rely on the power of Scripture. So not only do we have the Savior on our side, but we have Scripture on our side. Uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. I love this verse. God says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereinto I send it. You see this word right here is God's word. It's his words. I have four boys. And uh, when you have multiple kids, sometimes you send one kid to tell another kid to do something that you want them to do. How many recognize this is not the best way to do this? And so once in a while, I'll send, you know, Max, he's one of my kids. I'll say, Max, go tell Ethan that I want him to, let's just say, clean his room. Max, go tell Ethan to clean his room. And so Max, you know, with this, with this awesome authority that he's now been given, he goes and he proclaims to his brother what he wants him to do. He, and he runs up to his brother, and the first thing he says is, you need to go clean your room. Go clean your room. What do you think that he says to him? What do you think he says? Who says? Dad said. Mm. Mom said, okay, I'm going right now. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) There's just something different about when the words are spoken, dad said to go clean your room. Or mom said, you better go clean your room. There's just something about that. And when we go out and we're telling others about the Lord, listen, it's more than just what we think. It's more than just what we say. We have the power of Scripture with us. Amen. And so when you tell somebody, the Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sin. That's not just coming from me. It's coming from God. And when God says in Romans 6, 23, for the wage of sin is death. And we understand that there's a penalty for sin. That's not coming from me. It's coming from God. And when we say in Romans chapter number five, but God commendeth, that means he demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Christ didn't die for me because I was good. Christ didn't die for us because we go to church. Christ died for us because we're sinners and he paid the penalty. That's not my idea. That's God's. Dad said so. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call. I said, for whosoever shall call. I said, for whosoever shall call. All you got to do is call. I said, all you got to do is call. Some guys out there, I don't know why, they make salvation so, so complicated. I mean, I mean a, a guy with a PhD couldn't figure out how to be saved. When all God said was, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I didn't say that. Dad said that. And so we have the power of Scripture. So when we feel self-conscious, listen, when we feel self-conscious, are you with me this morning? Remember, it's Christ in us. Remember, we have the power of Scripture. Lastly, lastly here. Remember your story, the power of your story. How many of you this morning can remember when you got saved? It was a powerful thing. In Acts chapter number 22, Paul the Apostle, he goes on trial for being a Christian. Literally on trial for just believing in Jesus Christ. What does Paul do? Does he defend himself? Does he say, no, I wasn't doing that? No, you know what Paul does in Acts 22? He tells him his story. He says, I was on the road to Damascus. I saw a bright light. Jesus came to me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Paul goes on, he tells them his whole story. There is power in your story, in your story. If I went across the room, I'm not going to do it. I did it this morning. And I said in three sentences or less, give me your, give me your salvation story. That was a mistake. <laughs> 
more like in, in 13 minutes or less, amen? And so that's why we were out late. But if I went across the room and I said, in three sentences or less, tell me your story or tell me your, how you got saved. Every, many people in this room, I was this and I was that. And boy, God came and he saved me. And listen, that story is powerful. And so maybe you're not sure about sharing your faith with somebody because you don't know the verses or because you're nervous about it. All you need to do is tell them what happened to you. What happened to you? Powerful. It's powerful. Maybe you're here and you say, preacher, I don't have a story like that. Make today your story. Someday you could say, I went to this church and this guy got up and he was yelling a lot. He talked about having a story and I didn't have a story, but then I asked Jesus to save me. Now that day where he was talking about other people's story, I got a story. Amen. That could be your story. And that story is powerful. So we see the barrier of self-consciousness. All right, let's just, let's just admit it today. How many struggle with the barrier of self-consciousness? Only half of you? Well, for those of you being honest, I appreciate it. Amen. We all struggle with this area. We all struggle with this. But guess what? Here am I. I know Jesus as my Savior. There's Chris. He doesn't know Christ. And I'm letting this get in the way. I'm letting how I feel about myself get in the way of him getting saved. How many think this is not worth it? What's the price of a man's soul? Some of us need to get over ourselves. Amen? We need to get over ourselves a little bit and get beyond that. All right, let's go to barrier number two. Let's talk about the barrier of social concerns. The barrier of social concerns. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter number one with me. How many recognize today without even hearing what I have to say that there's some things in our society that muddies the water for our witness? (laughs) Uh, That's an understatement. Amen. Social concerns. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 18. I just want to say as a simple statement this morning that we do have a lot of social concerns today that we deal with, but this is nothing new. Paul the apostle dealt with the same social concerns that we deal with. Look at what he says here. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish. Talking about those who've never accepted Christ, don't know Jesus. For the preaching of the cross to them is what? Foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, God says. In verse 21, it says, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Look at verse 21. It pleased God by the foolishness of what? The foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The Jews require a sign. Notice the social issues Paul had. The Jews required a sign. They wanted to see something miraculous. They wanted to see something that just blew them away. They wanted a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, that's a stumbling block. They have a problem with that. And to the Greeks, that's foolishness. But to them which are called Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Social concerns are nothing new. Paul dealt with the Pharisee. All they cared about was religion. They cared about the law, ticking the boxes, the Torah, making sure you follow the right program and do the right things. Make sure you wash your hands. Make sure you dress a certain way. Make sure you don't walk too far on on, on Sunday morning. Make sure, and it was all about the rules. It was all about the law. Then Paul had all the Greeks. They cared about education. Don't show me faith. Show me facts. I want to see the science. I want to see the, and that was what the Greeks cared about. Social concerns. 
They loved philosophy, mysticism. They had their gods. The Romans, well, they wanted to see power. They wanted to see money. They wanted to see success. Everybody had their different opinions about what was right and what was wrong. And Paul had to navigate through all that. And by the way, because of Paul's opinion in Christ, he suffered. And so may I just say today that the social concerns of Paul's day is the same social concerns we fight today. Some of our young people here, millennials, Generation Z, they think all the social stuff that we deal with, Tommy, they think it's all brand new. We've never faced anything like this before. Baloney, Paul faced this 2,000 years ago. Read Romans chapter number one. Worshiping the creature more than the creator. Leaving the natural use of the woman and the man and turned to be with each other. Same social concerns. Nothing new. Nothing new. And so those social concerns, they muddy the water for our witness. Here's the thing, Christian. Jesus said in, Ma- in John chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Christians in America today oftentimes are trying to be loved by everyone. And listen, I don't walk around Costco trying to find people to offend. Give me that sample. No, I'm not looking for offense. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend anybody, amen? That's not what I, my goal is. But can I just say something this morning? And I know this is going to sound harsh. Christ is offensive. Are you with me this morning? You say, well, I thought he loves everybody. He loves everybody. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so Christ was a stumbling block to the Jew. Christ was was foolishness to the Greek. Same social concerns we deal with today. You can try to be friends with the world. You can try to win everybody by being super friendly and non-offensive. Doesn't work because Christ is offensive. And so we have to get over this barrier. I don't want to witness to my coworker. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to witness to that guy at the park because he disagrees with me. I don't want to muddy the, I don't want to, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to make waves. I don't want to cause a problem. I, I don't want to do these kinds of things. I, I just want to, I don't want to be too preachy. I don't want to be impersonal. I, I just, I, I don't feel like I have the right to tell them about Christ because I haven't developed a relationship with them. There's all these social concerns that we have. But can I just tell you something this morning? You and I have to get over this barrier because he's sitting over there. He's sitting over there. Let me give you three things that'll help us get over this barrier. Number one, remember that hell is real. I don't want to offend them. I understand that. I don't like to offend people either. I'm not out to offend anybody. But can I say this? Christ is offensive sometimes. And hell is in a fairy tale. And so when you talk to somebody, it would be better to offend them into heaven than to keep the peace and they never hear the truth of the gospel. And all God's people said, so the next time, man, I just don't know if I should say anything. Remember, hell is real. Number two, focus on the heart, not the opinion. Focus on the heart, not the opinion. Understand, Christian, today that people repeat what they hear. People understand what they've been taught. And sometimes we get frustrated because someone has a different opinion than we do about something. Why are we getting frustrated about that? Are they not lost? Are they not blind? Are they not in darkness? You're children of light, so walk as children of of the day. But we're not witnessing to children of the day. We're witnessing to those who are in the dark. 
So instead of arguing with them about political things and instead of arguing with them about this thing and that thing, all of that, all of that stuff is peripheral issues that won't matter. A hill of beans when they stand before Christ someday, skip through all of that and just give them the gospel. Just bypass it. Say, you know what? Well, what about this political? Let me just skip right over that and let's talk about the gospel. Amen. Amen. Listen, forget about their opinions about stuff. Get straight to the heart. Number three, steer the conversation with love and wisdom towards the gospel. Don't waste your time on social issues. I have a six-year-old. Sometimes my six-year-old argues with me, Brother Ehrlich. It's kind of fun actually arguing with my six-year-old. It gives me something to do, but I don't get anywhere. (laughs) That's what it's like arguing with a lost person. They can't see the light. They're blind. They can't see it. They have, the Bible says, scales over their eyes. They can't, they can't see. And you can, because you've been saved. And listen, praise God that we can see and we can understand and why the craziness in the world around us. And I thank God that I can see those things. They cannot see it. And so bypass all of that straight to the gospel. Straight to the gospel. Shine the light in their life. Don't be frustrated by the blindness. Shine the light. Amen? Focus on the heart, not the opinion. Steer the conversation towards the gospel. There's a lot of social concerns that we deal with today, and we live in a society that, that, that's trying to, uh, to push social agendas, and I get all that, and, it, and, it, and it's hard sometimes to move past that. But listen, just keep going straight back to the gospel. Straight back to the gospel. Amen? Straight back to the gospel. Just go straight back to the gospel. Well, let's talk about this issue. No, no, no. Let's talk about the gospel. Hey, let's talk about who we should vote for. No, thanks. Let's talk about the gospel. Hey, let's talk about this issue and that issue and whether or not this is right or this is wrong. Forget about that stuff. Let's talk about the gospel because, listen, those that die without Christ, this guy is sitting over here, and his soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. It's going to either go to heaven or it's not. It's going to go to hell. And if I do not get past this barrier, if I don't get past this barrier, he may never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got to get past it. I got to get past it. I got to smash it. I wanted to kick it, but I'm not going to do that because it might hurt somebody. (laughs) Plus, I want to take them back when I'm done with this. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. So we see there are barriers. How many recognize these intrinsically? We see these things in our life. How many many have felt this, the barrier? How many have felt this? I have. You see somebody and they clearly live a lifestyle that doesn't agree with the Bible. And so I think, Brother Renison, I think I probably just should keep things to myself. No, no, they need the gospel. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they do. Let me give you number three, and then I'll close, because I know you're hungry, so number three. This is similar, but not the same. We're going to talk about the barrier of a suspicious culture. How many would agree with me that we live in a suspicious culture? How many understand that there have been some things that have happened that would make the culture suspicious, moral failures on religious leaders' part, hypocritical Christians sometimes, churches, abandoning their faith to become more like the world. People of all ages are turning their backs on the church and religion. Why? Why? It's because it's not real. My generation, I'm a millennial, I'm 37, 30 to 40 millennials. Generation Z, even more so, those coming after me, they want to see something that is real. Are you with me this morning? Say, well, so do I. I'm a Gen Xer. I want to see something real too. I know. Amen. We all do. We don't want to see something phony. We don't want to see something fake. We want something real. And so the culture is suspicious. 
this is a barrier between me and him. He's suspicious of me. He takes a look at me and he goes, that guy's a liar. He takes a look at me and says, he's got nothing that I need. He's a hypocrite. There are some, 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 some barriers. We know because of statistics that between those born between 1928 and 1945, the silent generation, about 84% of them claim to be Christians. Today, if you were to poll millennials, about 49% of them claim to be Christians. That means in just a few generations, we've seen a 35% drop in our country on who claimed to be Christians and who doesn't. It's alarming. It's alarming. So the question I ask myself often, how do we overcome this barrier? By the way, that was Pew Research, if you want to look it up. How do we overcome this barrier of social suspicion, social uh, cultural suspicion? Ladies and gentlemen, may I just say to you that a suspicious culture does not need a church to rebrand itself. That's not what it's looking for. Churches think that if they rebrand themselves, people will come. No, you're just going to take young people from other churches. That's fine. That's not what we're after. And all God's people said, that's not what we're after. I'm not trying to get people from other churches. If you come here, fine. But I'm just saying that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to see people come to Christ. And so we don't need rebranding. That's not the point. We don't need a catchy name, you know. I was thinking about renaming us the in and out No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> we don't need a catchy name or a, a cool slogan. And by the way, I'm all, you understand I'm all for that stuff, you know, being nice and, and being sharp and all that kind of thing. I'm not discounting that. But that's not what people are looking for. They're not looking for churches being less churchy. That's not the point. The answer to this barrier is simple. Real Christianity. Authentic, real Christians. Let's just be honest. Many of us have been hurt by fake Christians. We've been hurt by them. We've been hurt by that. But can I just say, those of us that have been hurt by that, that's on us, not them. Because Christ never hurt me one time. And that's why I'm a Christian today, not because of them, but because of Christ. So if I live my life stuck in this spot where I've been hurt, that's me. That's my fault. Because Christ never hurt me. That was free, by the way. That was just a side note. But the answer is simple today. It's real Christianity. It's authentic faith. But the answer today, to get to Brother Asprelli, the answer today behind the suspicious culture, the answer today by social concerns, the answer today behind self-consciousness is just me deciding I'm going to be real. And yes, there's some barriers. But man, I got to reach that guy. What is his soul worth to me? I don't know who he is for you. He might be a coworker. You've known him for 20 years. You know Jesus. You love Jesus. You love the Bible. You love church. You, you know it's real. You know it's real. He has no idea that you're a Christian. What we need to do is say, okay, I need to get over myself. Yeah, I know that he, you know, we have different political opinions, but I'm just going to let that go. Yeah, I know he's a little bit suspicious of Christians. I've heard him talk about that. But I'm going to get past that too. And I'm going to share with him Jesus Christ. I want to share with him. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning as I close this message, this series, yes, we have a mission. Yes, there are barriers. But we got to get past the barriers. Can I just help you with two things? And I'm done. Very short. Two things about this suspicious culture. 65% of adults in the United States today, according to Pew Research, 
65% of adults claim they believe in a man named Jesus and claim to be Christians. 65%. That's across all generations uh, on average. There's about 250 million adults in America. There's supposed to be 167 million Christians. Are you with me? 250 million adults and 167 million of them are supposed to be Christians. If you think about that for just a moment, and you, if every Christian, let's just say all those people are really Christians, and every Christian decide to be real, and just every Christian decide to tell someone who they know that's not a Christian, that means we could tell every single person in the United States about Christ in one day, if we would just be real, if we would just live what we say we believe. Let me give you two things. Number one, every man at his core, I'm talking about at the core, Every man at his core believes in God and is searching for him. Every person, no matter how angry, no matter how they shake their fist at God, deep down inside of them, they know God is there. They know God exists. The louder they get, the more they're trying to drown out the sound of his voice. The angrier they get is because the more they're fighting with God. But every single human being, the Bible says, knows that there is a God. People post signs. They don't believe in God. They believe in science. But deep down inside of their soul, they know there's a God. People put on Facebook things about stuff that they don't believe in God, they don't believe in that. They're not trying to convince you. They're trying to convince themselves that there is no God. Every man believes that there's a God deep down in their soul. Let me give you number two. We have the answer. We have the answer. Can I just say as your pastor today, God is real? God is real? He's real. He's been real. He is real. He will be real. God is real. And so when I go to try to reach this guy, listen, I don't need to get over these barriers to sell a vacuum cleaner. I don't need to get over these barriers to sell a knife set to him or to convince him of some kind of pyramid scheme. I want to get to him because I have something real that I know is going to help him that he's searching for. When you were born, you were born with a hole inside of you. Nothing can fill. Drugs won't fill it. Friends won't fill it. Love won't fill it. Nothing. Only Christ. Only Christ. You have that answer today. And so to get over these barriers, recognize we're bringing the truth and the life. We're bringing life to the dead. We're bringing light to the lost. We're bringing bread to the hungry. We're bringing hope to the hopeless. We're bringing comfort to the suffering. We're bringing the gospel to the world. Don't let self-consciousness stop you. Don't let the social concerns or a suspicious culture stop you. Because on the other side, there are mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and grandparents, people who need Jesus. So would you decide this morning as we close this series, maybe decide in your life, I'm not going to let the barriers stop me. I'm not going to let the barriers keep me from giving the gospel to someone. Let's pray together this morning, and I'll give you an opportunity to talk to the Lord about that.